so October brings a number of important events on the calendar, both uh, in Scripture and on the calendar for the church. It's during October, the Day of Atonement falls. That's when Christ was baptized by John the Baptist while the Feast of Atonement was being observed. It was also at that time that the high priest was sending the scapegoat out into the wilderness, and John the Baptist saw Christ and proclaimed, Behold the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. Also during this time, the, the Feast of Tabernacle celebration takes place, last feast of the year. It, it's a time a lot of people have weddings. It's when Christ turned the water into wine. He was transfigured on the Feast of Tabernacles, and it's on the Feast of Tabernacles. He proclaimed that he is the light of the world, the living water. It's also the, the month we celebrate World Communion Sunday. And whether you're able to literally celebrate these events or just take the spiritual lessons, it's just as important either way. You know, some people can't uh, leave their homes because of quarantine, so they won't be taking a, a literal bread and cup. But the principles apply every day, whether you take communion or you just take the spiritual principles for what it represents day to day as we are called to do. Consider what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He talks about communion and says, as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. Notice what he says, until he comes. That is the hope we live with daily, that one day Jesus is going to come back. And so we want to live our lives in a way that we represent him so that if he returned today, we would have confidence. He would say, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, if we're not living in that place, we'll talk about some things that could really be changed in your life and my life today. But when we recognize Recognize these spiritual principles from the, the feast in scripture, the bread and cup, recognizing the promises of every day that we are to live as if perhaps today would be the day Jesus comes back. Could be today, could be centuries from now, but we are to live in anticipation saying he has my heart and I look for him to return one day. Clarence Eisberg said the devil could not stop him. The cross could not defeat him. The grave could not hold him. Jesus will come again. Thomas Watson, this is 400 years ago, he said this, murmuring is the devil's music. Our culture today, the world so much is murmuring, negativity, fears, divisions, doubts. That is the devil's music. We need to be people that are filled with the hope, the encouragement, Perhaps Jesus will return today, that kind of anticipation. We're going to look at some things that we could do to change that life that is there before us in Christ if that's not where we are today. James Hudson Taylor, the China missionary in the 1800s said, there are three stages in every great work of God. First, it's impossible. Then it's difficult. Then it is done. What may seem impossible in the world or maybe in your marriage, your finances, first it's impossible then it's difficult, but in Christ, the promises then it will be done. Revelation 22, verse 20, the next to last verse of the Bible, Jesus says, yes, I am coming soon. And the church responds, amen, come Lord Jesus. That is in Greek, Maranatha. Then every day that we live with that sort of early prayer of the church now for 2,000 years, Maranatha. You know, perhaps today. But if it is today, I want to be living in alignment with him so that if it is today that he returns, you know, what a day that will be. Somebody has says, you know you are finding God when you believe that God is good no matter what happens. Circumstances don't change our faith. 
you know what's going on in the world doesn't change our faith we become the people standing on the solid rock and not moved by all the chaos and things taking place around us our brain our brains bend toward whatever it is our attention is directed to and if our attention is always directed to you know fears and doubts that's what our brain is going to notice. If we choose to focus on faith and encouragement, fill ourselves with love and peace, you know, our brains bend towards that. It's up to us to choose where we put that focus. As Ferdinand Fouch said in the 1800s, the most powerful weapon on earth is a human soul on fire. And when we become on fire because we say, you know what, no matter what's going on in the world, Jesus is watching. One day he'll return. I'm going to live as his ambassador, not in fear. That's a human soul on fire. Let me show you what that looks like in the story of Grady Wilson. Most probably don't recognize that name, Grady Wilson. 1934, he listened to a sermon by Mordecai Ham. You probably don't recognize his name either. But what happened is Grady Wilson and his best friend, teenagers, passed a tent revival. Mordecai Ham was preaching. Grady Wilson and his best friend decided they were going to walk away and usher stopped them and said you really ought to listen to this man it'll change your life so he said here's two seats grady wilson his best friend sat down and in the sermon mordecai ham said if you want to receive christ come to the altar he and his best friend went to the altar gave their lives to christ and grady wilson and his best friend then spent 50 years their souls on fire became evangelists working as a team Again, you may not recognize Grady Wilson, but you'll recognize his best friend. His best friend was Billy Graham. When there's a soul on fire, change takes place on a massive scale. What seems impossible becomes possible, and then it's done. You know, but Nancy DeMoss makes a great point. She says, we are playing church. We are so busy trying to be relevant to the world. We have become just like the world, and the world is not impressed. We need to be the ones who stand out, not try to just fit in. Think about something David says, Psalm 51. This is after his affair with Bathsheba, tremendous consequences in his life and the life of the people in the nation. In Psalm 51 is his prayer of repentance. Verse 11, cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. It's a powerful prayer where David is saying, you know, God, take the money, take the position, take the power, take the title. Just don't take your presence from me. That's why David is such an example. You know, somebody that his desperate prayer was, I can lose everything. Just don't let me, God, lose my relationship with you. That's what the, the feasts and time like the bread and cup are to bring to the forefront of our mind. Again, our brains bend to where our attention goes. Do we focus on, on him to say, you know, Maranatha, perhaps today? One of my favorite quotes is, you know, an anonymous one, though, but it's this statement somebody once said, a year from now, you'll wish you had started. If you're looking at your relationship, it's not where it should be. You're looking at your walk in Christ, it's not where it should be. If you've got a goal you haven't started towards, whatever it is, whatever's holding you back, it's the fear of criticism, the, the fear of failure, it's the comfort zone you want to stay in. Today could be the day where you say, from this moment forward, I am going to progress 
Go the direction God is leading me. A year from now, you'll wish you had started and made a different decision here today. How do you do that? How do you make a different decision? You start by, one, raising your expectations. Raising your expectations about what can be done. Watch the news. Listen to culture. They'll talk about what can't be done and how things are going to get worse and worse, etc. We live in a place that says, you know what? What's impossible becomes difficult. Then it's done. I believe in Christ. One day he'll return. But until that day, I want to be found faithful in him. There's a sad example, though, of that criticism, what it does to a person's life. John Toole, back in the 1940s, you know, he'd just gotten out in the early 50s. He started to write a book after just getting out of the Army, a novel, and he finished that book, and he started to shop it around to different publishers, and he got rejection after rejection after rejection. This went on for years. It became his identity. He got consumed with, I am just a nobody that nobody cares about. 1969, just a young man, John Toole, then took his life. His mom took his manuscript, though, and took it to publishers and said, my son wrote this book. She believed in it. A few years after he took his life, she finally found a publisher. He published that book. The book is A Confederacy of Dunces, won a Pulitzer Prize. You see, there has to be that place where we understand that the the critics may come, but that it doesn't become our identity, all that negativity, or rather our identity is wrapped up in who we are in Christ. And as Lee Strobel shares, when you get an accurate picture of who Jesus is, he is awfully hard to resist. When you know that he is the one who laid down his life, that you and I might know forgiveness. We just read something here to maybe give a a bigger picture of Jesus. This is only a fraction of who he is, but different people contributed to this, but it's simply taking each letter of the alphabet, describing who Jesus is. He's the Alpha, Ancient of Days, Amen, the Anchor, Bread of Life, Beginning, the End, Bright Morning Star, Captain, Cornerstone, Day Star, Everlasting love, eternal life, El Shaddai. Fountain of life, first to last, the glory of Israel. Head of all things, healing balm, intercessor, Emmanuel. Judge of earth, king of kings, kinsman, redeemer. Lion of the tribe of Judah, light of the world. Mediator, manna, mighty God, Messiah. Nazarene, name above all names. Omega, the overcomer. Prophet, promise of God, prince of peace, Passover lamb, quiet place, quest of my soul. Redeemer, rock, root of Jesse, son of God, scapegoat, sword, shield, sacrifice. The tree of life, teacher, the tabernacle, the truth. The undefiled, the veil rent from top to bottom, the vine, the water of life, the way, the word made flesh, wonderful counselor. The x-ray vision to see through people into their hearts, Yeshua, Yahweh saves the zealous fulfiller of all righteousness. Again, when you get an accurate picture of who Jesus is, he is awfully hard to resist. Thomas Brooks in the 1600s said, a man full of hope will be full of action. When we see who he is, it should move us to take steps to follow after him. Let's look at the opposite of being in Christ. Genesis chapter 4, verse 16, Cain has killed his brother Abel. We're told in verse 16, Cain then 
went out from the presence of the Lord. Remember, David just said, take anything from me. Just don't take your presence. We're told Cain goes out from the presence of the Lord. He dwells in the land of Nod. Well, what is Nod? The land of Nod means the place of unrest. Leaving the presence of God is a place of unrest. Jesus brings perfect peace. Outside of him, the opposite. What do we see in the world today? Unrest, turmoil, chaos, upsets and division. It's Nod. Notice what else Nod is. We're told that Nod is east of Eden. As Charles Ellicott shared a hundred years ago, None of Noah's descendants in the table of 70 nations in Genesis 10 traveled east. Cain went eastward. The 70 nations that then basically populate the world, you know, they went north and south. They went west. But in that day, they didn't go east. Why? Because they did not want to go to the land of Nod, the place of Cain, the unrest. They didn't want to leave the presence of God. We should live in that same sense again of anticipation. Maranatha, I don't want to be found in the land of Nod when he comes back. And if you're in Nod today, you can simply leave and return home because he promised his body was broken, that your broken places might be healed. His blood was shed, that your sin might be cleansed. We had a pretty amazing story about Steve Jobs and think about this from a standpoint of just vision and goals, but also an understanding of the spiritual question we'll ask at the end. This was shared by Adam Lashinsky. We all know Steve Jobs from Apple. He started Apple Corporation. They fired him. Then he's brought back. And Steve Jobs and his team, they had mastered plastics and metals for computers and when he designed the iPhone, he wanted it to have a glass face. So he met with Wendell Weeks, a CEO of Corning Glass. And Weeks told him, you know, they in the 60s had developed a process for Gorilla Glass. And Steve then said, I, I want to make a million iPhones. Can you have that glass ready in six months? And Weeks said, sorry, it's never actually been made. There's not even a factory to make it. I love this here. Steve Jobs looked at Weeks in the eye and said, don't be afraid. Get your mind around it. You can do this. Think about this. Steve Jobs wanted a glass that had never been created to be used in an iPhone. Get your mind around it. You can do this. What a great statement for you and I, no matter what you're facing in life. If it's your marriage that's falling apart, get your mind around this. You can do this. Because what may seem impossible becomes difficult, and then it's done. What happened there? Wendell Weeks called in scientists, engineers, manufacturers, and in six months, a glass that had never been created or used was a glass that was found now in six million iPhones. That's vision. That's belief. But then the question is, when did business executives get more faith than those who base their lives on the resurrection? Steve Jobs imagined something that never was, and in six months, it became reality. What is it that you and I can imagine? 
I'll give you a question maybe to get started for that from Ray Johnston who shared this is the the one question he thinks is the most powerful one that he shares as a leader, popular speaker. It doesn't matter, again, what you're talking about in your personal life or your spiritual life, whatever it may be. Here's a great place to start. A simple question to ask yourself is, what can this become? What can this become? If you're a child and you have a broken relationship, what can this become? If your marriage is not fulfilling, what can this become? If your health is not where it needs to be, what can this become? Not what the world says, but what can this become from a standpoint of faith where the impossible becomes reality in Christ? For as often as we take the bread, drink the cup, whether it's literal or you take the spiritual principles daily, we do that because we proclaim that he died, rose again, and one day he'll return. Maybe your issue is forgiveness. A big hurdle for many people, and forgiveness is a really complicated issue. And forgiveness does not mean reconciliation. You may never talk to the person again that you have an issue with. But here's something to consider about forgiveness. When you forgive, you don't change the past. You change your future. And that's one of the reasons it's so important that you might be free. You know, what is the ultimate goal, though, here that, that we're looking at that the first church understood and we now know for 2,000 years when we think about whether it's the, the feast, communion, the celebrations that take place in the the calendar, whether it's the biblical calendar, the New Testament life and the church calendar, we're told the ultimate goal of all things, 1 John 3, 2 says, beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet appeared. And here's the key. But we know when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. That's the goal. That we live our life today and say, you know what? He may return today, and when he does, I'll be transformed in an instant. No more sin, no more death, no more sickness. But until that day, I'm living for that day. When I'll see him face to face, because he may return today, he may return tomorrow, it may be a hundred years, hundreds of years from now, but I want to be ready. Living as that light in the dark, that salt in the world. Where there's the unrest, there's a land of Nod all around, that we be that light to show people the path out of Nod, sharing the gospel with our words, our actions, our beliefs, not playing church on Sunday, but saying, you know what, he is my life. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. A year from now, you'll wish you had started. Whatever that change is, whatever that new thing is, whatever needs to happen, Today can be the day you and I simply surrender and say, yes, Jesus. If I lose everything, may I never lose your presence. I've heard hundreds of speakers over the year. I've been to many seminars, have been to listen to speakers all over the world. Like many people, though, one who has stood out probably in the top five I've ever heard is Louis Zamperini. And his story is an incredible picture of all we've talked about here today. Louis Zamperini 
ran the Olympics in 1936 in Berlin. Met Hitler, and he realized, you know, this evil in him. He was favored, though, did not win the gold in 36, but he would win it at the next Olympics. That didn't happen because World War II broke out. Louis Zamperini joined the Army. He became a bombardier pilot. One day his plane was shot down. He and the crew crashed in the ocean. They had this just makeshift raft they put together. And for over a month, no food or water dying there. The sun during the day, the freezing temperatures at night, sharks bumping the raft. Imagine the terror that was there. He said that wasn't near as bad as what was about to happen next because finally after over a month that raft started to float towards an island and they saw on that island waiting for them Japanese soldiers. They were taken to a concentration camp. The one he was sent to, nobody ever survived. He was beaten and tortured, transferred out of that camp to another, beaten and tortured there. One particular guy was there that did this torturing with a special glee. Finally transferred out of that camp to a third one. Thought he'd find relief, but then that guy who tortured him showed up at that third camp and they continued to beat him and torture him for two years before he was finally released by the American forces. Came back to the U.S. Nightmares every night. Became an alcoholic. He was married, destroying the life of his family. For five years, nightmares every night, alcohol every day. Finally, his wife said, would you please at least come listen to this man? I've heard him. He can change your life. His name is Billy Graham. And Louis Zamperini said, I'll go to make fun of him. So he went that night, he listened to Billy Graham share about leaving Nod and entering the life where you can become just like Christ with the promise that one day you'll see him as he is and you'll be just like Jesus. Louis went home that night, threw away all the alcohol, never touched it again, went to sleep, and for the first time in five years, no nightmare. There's nothing more powerful on earth than a soul on fire. Louis Zamperini spent then the rest of his life sharing Christ. As Ray Johnson shared that night when he gave his life to Christ in a single silent moment, his rage, his fear, his humiliation, and his helplessness fell away for he believed he was a new creation. What did that look like for Louis Zamperini's life? Founded a boys camp, became a worldwide speaker sharing Christ, carried the Olympic torch at five different games. He regularly ran six miles through his 60s, took up skateboarding in his 70s. But most importantly, he had this joy, this peace that simply could not be taken away. So again, as we close whatever it is in your life, in my life, Take that situation and just ask, what can this become? What can this become? A year from now, you'll wish you had started. Let today be the day 
that you and I begin. Because when we get an accurate picture of who Jesus is, he is awfully hard to resist.